Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Welcome to the B&E Podcast. So we had a huge, huge talk before we started this one. And it's been uh, rather heavy, but uh, ultimately the title we came to for this podcast, what we're going to talk about is clearing out what pollutes our creativity. And um, yeah, and we're going to talk a lot about the past and the future and the present and how they all relate to our creative pursuits and our goals and our endeavors and how uh, we, you know, a big topic that we've been really discussing and um we're hitting on more and more is about how, uh, how important being present and in the now and what is, how, how much that matters and how that is not always, um, something we're doing as artists. And that's why we get so confused and we get, you know, so fearful and scared and sad and all these feelings that are not actually tied to the moment that we're actually in. Yeah. And, uh, which and is where creativity needs to happen. Yes. I feel like creative, like for a true act of creation to happen. I mean, the more and more time goes on, the more and more that I learn and experience through, through creativity and all of the forms that I engage with it in, the more I learn how, how presence is like, you know, presence is like a linked, (laughs) like a linked cousin or brother or sister in, in the act of creation. Like presence is, is right there with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's interesting because, and and this is a, this is a battle I think that we all have, but, um, you know, we do pull our creativity from our past experiences and we do look into the future as to what's possible and we can create with that mindset. But I think what we need to do as creatives and whatever we're doing is we need to recognize what's happening right now and where we're at and not lose ourselves in some fantasy or some dream or some idea that isn't actually occurring right now. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the big things that I've been realizing is, you know, um, when I start thinking about my future, um, sometimes I'll start to get worked up. Sometimes I'll start to get worried. Sometimes I'll start to, you know, feel things right now that aren't related to what's happening right now. And, it's an interesting idea because I have to remember that whatever I'm thinking about in the future isn't actually happening. And so I can choose to feel those feelings because I want to venture into imagining the future, but I have to remember that I'm not a victim to those feelings and, or that future event because it hasn't occurred. And it might not occur. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's an important awareness to have there is, is, you know, we can, we can project our minds to the future you know, and we can even take some educated guesses at how things might unfold. But the truth is, is that we never really know and we can never really know what that will be. So it really, I think when you do something like that, it's important to have the awareness that this is something that may never occur, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we do get very caught up in, 
in those images that we project into the future. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, Oh, and it's gonna, it's gotta happen like this and it's gotta happen like that. And it's going to be like this. And when you do that, I mean, you're, you're really, I mean, you're for one, you're, I, you're doing a lot of things. You can be setting yourself up for disappointment, but you can also be, I think, shutting yourself down from being open to a lot of really great things mm-hmm. that will happen along the way because you get so caught up in the idea of something that when you are presented with another opportunity, you might not recognize it. No. Because you're like, no, because it was going to be like this. This is how it's going to happen. But you don't know how it's going to happen. No, <laughs> you don't. You don't know what you're going to experience along the way. You don't know how it's going to work out. And the things that you want to happen might not happen. And the things that you don't want to happen might happen. But I think, um, you'll deal with that when you get there, you know? And I, I think it's so interesting because we're constantly trying to deal with stuff that's so far ahead that we're, you know, we're, it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny when, when you see yourself doing it, which I've been seeing myself doing it a lot recently, it's almost like you're driving down the highway and you see a, a, a car accident that's happened several miles up the road. You're nowhere near it, but you see it. And it's, is, and then you go, Oh my God, like a car accident. And you start living as though you're going to get into that same car accident. But it, when I use that analogy and you recognize, well, you're here in this part of the road and that accident is happening. You have plenty of time to stop and figure out and navigate what you'll do. You could turn around, you could go down a different road, you could do many other things. And that's a lot like life. But when we are so far in the future and we fear the worst, it's as as though we're driving down the highway or we're actually in the accident when we're not actually in the accident. And so uh, actually for our audience who's here today, what I want you to do right now is just as an exercise, because I think this will help them go through this this podcast with us. I love exercises. Yeah. um, (laughs) Just check in right now. Where are you right now? What what is actually happening right now? You know, maybe you're sitting in your car, maybe you're waiting in traffic, maybe you're driving down the road, maybe you're sitting in your house on maybe your couch for a run right now. Yeah, maybe you're working <laughs> out at the gym, but check in right now what's actually happening right now. And just think about what's happened previous to this. Were you thinking about what you had to do today? Were you thinking about a moment where something went wrong in the past? And just remember that whenever you were doing that, that didn't actually happen. That wasn't actually happening at that time. And whenever you do that, you're kind of polluting the moment you're actually in because you're not, you're not being present to it. And I think it's important to know like, okay, well, what's coming in my day? Like I have to go to work at X time or whatever. Well, that's important to know. Then you check in, you go, okay, I know that I got my alarm set. I uh, I'm aware but now go back to the moment. That was just a check-in, right? And, and the thing is, is like, it's like seeing a sign on the highway that says in the future, uh, in about 500 meters or whatever, you're going to have to turn left. And so you go, okay, great. Well, when left comes, I'll turn. You don't turn left right now. You, you see the sign that says, Hey, you've got to turn left in the future. That's in the moment. I see the sign right now, but my action does not have to be a immediate reaction to the sign I get, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, this happens a lot. I was sharing a story. I think we shared this just one-on-one after our last podcast, but I was talking about how when I was a kid, I was walking down the street 
you know, oh, I, I shared this before, but walking on the street and I saw some guys that were, uh, you know, they looked like they were trouble and I went mm-hmm. the other way. I'll tell you another time I actually was riding my bike with a friend and this is in Coquitlam and, uh, I decided to cross the street and my friend kind of like, and I, I kind of wanted him to come over and he was like, nah, he's like, and he had a bad feeling about it. And I remember I had a bad feeling too, but I was like, nah, I'm just going to do it. It's what I want to do. And I remember I was biking up to these guys and they were walking towards me. And, uh, so I'm biking along. I was only uh, 13 or 14, well, I was 14 or 15 years old actually. And I, I'm biking along and, um, I'm biking towards them and I had a bad feeling. And part of me just wanted to kind of actually go back across the other side of the road. But I'm like, well, I've already crossed, so I'm not going to do that. And sure enough, I came up to these guys and this was a busy street too. And, uh, one of the guys pulled a knife on me and I, my, my bike, I veered off into traffic and a car nearly hit me like head on because the moment he pulled the knife and I, and they laughed and they were just joking. I think, I don't think they were actually going to do anything, but they just wanted to scare me. Yeah but I had a sense that that was going to happen before I ever got there, you know, and if I was being present, you know, and I find when you're being present in the moment and you're paying attention to what am I actually, what's actually going on right now? Like what, what am I, what am I thinking, feeling, you know, what's going on? You know, you, you, instead of getting so caught in my mind about, no, I got to cross the street and even to leave my friend, you know, I wasn't with my friend anymore. He was on the other side of the street. So I was alone when this occurred. Um, even to do that, you know, it's just this kind of like where you get caught in an objective and an idea of where you need to be. And all I was thinking was the other side of the street's closer to home. And when we get up to the next intersection, I'll already be on this side. Cause I think I cut through traffic when there was no traffic there because it was on a bike, a bicycle or whatever. And yeah, and I think this is kind of a thing. So my exercise for you guys right now is we're doing this podcast is we'll maybe try to venture in some of our fears, some of our futures and past, but let's keep trying to check in. Is that actually happening right now? Like, where are we right now? What's actually going on right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, um, yeah. And, and, and we're talking a lot about the future, but yeah, the past definitely comes into this because we do, we spend, uh, so much of our lives wrapped up in, in past and, and future. Um, Oh, one of the things I always found interesting in one of Dan Millman's books, the laws of spirit, he says, it's like, well, even your thoughts of the past and of the future are thoughts that you're having about them now. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you still, you're not like they're the, the past and the future are not real. They're just, it's just how it's happening to you in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also I've, uh, someone once told me that, uh, the past is guilt and the future is anxiety. And when you bring those things into your process, you know, especially as, as, as artists and as creatives, which I think for whatever reason, I don't have a, a really great thesis on this yet. Cause it's something that's been recently bubbling, but the creative process I feel is, is extraordinarily prone and vulnerable to, to those influences of past and future for whatever reason. I think something about through the act of creation, through the act of creating something, it just, it makes you really, it brings up a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like who am I to create something? Who am I to do something like this? Right. Which I would say is that's a lot of past stuff 
that's going on there. That right. all of that, like, who am I? Who am I? What have I done up to this point? Like, right. I, like I'm not valuable, blah, 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 blah. And on the, and then you have the future that comes in on it. And she's like, yeah, but, uh, and if this doesn't work out, like, what if this doesn't, nothing goes anywhere with this and I wasted all my, my time and it's, and it's crap and, and this and that, and that will just reinforce my ideas of me and, the, and it on, it's just this vicious sort of cycle of stuff. And now you're, you've been, you know, sitting in front of your canvas or, you know, in front of your keyboard or in front of your computer screen and all of this stuff is going on while you're simply trying to paint this painting, make this, write this song, write this screenplay. How can you possibly fully do that thing? Create this thing that was sparked inside of you that you, that came from a very innocent sort of place of creation. Yeah. And now you've, you've come and, and which is why, cause Brandon, you're the one who in our after our last podcast, you said, you said polluted, which is why I really wanted this to be in the title of it. <laughs> it's like, I love it because it does look at those, those fears and those, uh, those anxieties and those, wh- whatever it is, when those start to, when you're engaged in your medium, in the process of your creation, and those things start coming in, you've got to you've got to like, you've got to find a way, whatever that is for yourself, just to be like, nope, like that's, and for me, sometimes that's all it is. I'm just like, acknowledge it. And I'm like, nope, that's not helping me. Mm-hmm. You are not helping me right now. You know, and just clear that away. Like get out of here Yeah, <laughs> because I'm doing this right now. And those things are not going to serve you. No, they're only going to, to like, cut the legs out from underneath you pretty much is how I, my, in, at least in my experience of being in creative mode and yeah. when that past and future stuff starts to creep in. You know, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's so interesting. I mean, the whole, the whole pollution thing, like, you know, um, when I was younger, um, someone told me that I, you know, someone important in my life said to me that I was not good looking enough to be an actor. And, um, that was at first, I remember it was water off a duck's back. Didn't really matter. I was like, whatever, I'm going to do this. I don't really care. But uh, after a few years of acting and not quite getting the career blossoming the way that I had imagined it would in the future, that, uh, term, that idea had kind of come into my mind more. And I suffered with this idea a lot where I kept um, experiencing and going, well, am I like, am I good looking enough to be an actor? And I remember being so angry at this person and this event that happened in the past. But, you know, the thing is, is like in the moment when I'm acting or when I'm doing whatever I'm doing, the, the, the thing is, is that I'm in the moment creating. And this idea of what happened in the past or will it ever work out for me in the future? Because maybe I'm not good looking enough to be an actor by Hollywood standards. Let's just say, maybe that's true, right? I'm not, I'm not here to debate that point. My, my point though, is that I wanted to create, I wanted to act. And in the moment that I was doing it, whether I would make it as a movie star or not, whether, you know, 
what this person thought of me in the past that they said or or not is irrelevant. It just doesn't matter. And all it really ever did was pollute the moment I was in. And I remember doing taping auditions and sending them and, uh, you know, um, certain cast directors and whatever they, you you know, wanting me to send tapes. And I remember not choosing the tape that was really probably the most honestly acted, but choosing the tape where I thought I looked the best. And I'm embarrassed in some ways to admit that, but at the same time, I'm not embarrassed because that was where I was at. But, you know, this, this concept that's not like happening in the moment, you know, is, 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 is polluting the art because now it makes it about, now it makes it about something else. You know what I mean? Like, and this is the, this is the thing that I'm trying to, trying to get to. Like if I'm writing and I think I'm not a very good writer, or I think like, well, I haven't written that many scripts. So who am I to write? Or I, I can't teach this class or this course because I haven't taught like these other profs who have taught for like 30 years. I mean, all of that is not happening right now. What is happening right now is that I have something to say. And if I honestly believe in it, and I honestly believe it's helpful, then I can share that. And if I don't honestly believe it's helpful, then I won't share it. If I'm teaching from a place of ego, like I need these students to think that I'm something, that's also polluting the moment because I, I am who I am right now. There is nothing that's going to change that. Like there is, there is no other thing that's going to occur. I have lived my life up to this moment right now. And I am this person and you are this person. And who is ever on this other podcast, you are this person. Don't, we don't need to try to pretend to be anything else. And I think what we try to do is we try to manipulate the past and the future to somehow augment who we are right now. And it confuses us. And we're not in the moment once we augment ourselves with these ideas, because we're in our mind trying to use our mind to, to correct who we are. And I think what you, you just got to go is like, okay, what is happening right now? That's all that really matters is I'm sitting across from you. We're having a conversation and, and I'm speaking, you know, and I feel whatever way I feel right now. And this is what's happening. You know, um, all these other ideas about, will people listen to this podcast? Cause you know, that could be a thought that I could, that doesn't matter right now, right now, as far as I'm concerned, there's someone on the other end of this podcast listening to it. There might not be, but it's, it's, and, and there isn't really in reality. Cause I know that this podcast is being recorded before anyone is. So maybe no one listens to it. Does that matter? Does that need to change how I'm communicating right now in the moment? In the moment I go, this is where I'm at speaking, you know? And I think that the most honest, truthful, creative messages, ideas, whatever come out when we get connected. And if I th- start thinking about, well, maybe th- people will start, maybe people will think what I'm talking about is crazy. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's in the future. It's not occurring right now. It's, it's, it's a, it's an idea I could have that might help inform what I do today, but what is happening right now? I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. I'm just trying to communicate. Yeah, that. no, I think so. And it's interesting because you know, you've and like we've, but you're, you're, I would say like the biggest sort of like advocate of this, you know, especially for, um, you know, screenwriters, you know, you've, you said, it's like, you know, when you're writing that, that first draft, like you put your creativity hat on and just write it, don't edit it as you go along. And I think that's actually very pertaining to keeping you in the present, 
keep like maintaining your position in the present, because if you're continually going back and editing yourself as you're in the process, like you said before, you're subconsciously telling yourself that I don't trust the work that I've done. And I think that all of that is very much pertaining to the conversation that we're having right now. Um, you know, in the way that it's, we've sort of talked about it has just been like very practical advice as far as writing, but this fits completely in because if you're going back and you're editing yourself, you're, you are working in while you're in the creative process, you are bringing in those elements of past and future, but through the act of editing as you're creating, because you're saying, I'm not good enough you know, like based on my experience, I'm not, I'm not good enough. And also, well, this needs to be better for the future Mm -hmm. as well. And it's this weird sort of conflicting, conflicting thing that's happening when you're, when you're working in a creative space that way of, of bringing the past and, and the future in, because one thing on the one hand, you're, telling yourself that you can't do this, but at the same time, you're telling yourself that it needs to be this great piece of thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, right? Like that. And they're completely conflicting ideas. So how can you ever hope to accomplish that other than being present and like scraping those completely off from when you're in your process? Well, you know, it's so great. You brought this up. I mean, it does. If you think about the future of of your screenplay needing to sell or people needing to like it, you're polluting the creative process. I mean, because why? Here's the next question. Why do you need someone else to like your screenplay? Like, like that's another thing that's not in the moment. Is someone looking at your screenplay right now? Other than you? Like, are you, you even know what they'll think of it? Right. And the other thing too is, if you're looking at it, reading it, determining like whether someone else likes it or not through your own eyes, I mean, you're just so disconnected from the moment. Like when I'm writing and I'm in the zone, like I'll go to a cafe actually down the street and they say, well, you didn't look up for like two hours. Cause when that happens, I'm in the zone. I'm not even like my surroundings don't exist in many ways. All I am is in the moment. I am fully engaged in writing and creating this story. And I'm not thinking about what people think of me while I'm writing. I'm not thinking about whether my writing is good or not. I'm just trying to write this part of the story down. And, um, and then there's this, always this moment where I eventually look up and I'm like, I'm in a cafe. <laughs> I'm writing in a cafe and I'll have this, this recognition. And I think, um, you know, I've had people say to me like, oh, writing's so hard well, yeah, it's really, really hard if you're in the past or the future, but if you're present, writing's actually really, really easy. Yeah. It's really easy. Actually. It's just as easy as doing anything like talking. It's really not that hard, but I think what happens is we take these, these other things and we make them, we make them something other than what they are. All that's happening right now is I'm sitting here talking. Yeah. Like what, what makes that hard? You know, like the fact that I'm moving my hand around and writing it down, like that's somehow a lot harder. No, the yeah. fact that I'm pushing on keys like that, it's, it's so ludicrous, right? It is because, and because there is, there's a- actually nothing hard about it. All the things that all the resistance, all things that are making it difficult are, are not the process itself. 
Right. You know, it's all of this, uh, it's all sort of this baggage. It's all of that past and future baggage that we're bringing into it. Yeah. That makes it so hard to just sit down and, you know, write a couple of pages down to, to read that play, to work on that monologue, to put that brush stroke on the canvas. Yeah. <laughs> right. To play this chord, you know, it's, it's, it's all a bunch of crap. Yeah. That stops us from doing it. And just know that you're the only one who's kind of putting that on you. Yeah. Like you're the one who's just lumping this shit into it and you can not do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, know, you can, yeah. you, well, like it's, a, it's a practice. I think, you know, it's those things will come up because that's just, so, it's so ingrained in us to, to be that way but we can choose not to listen to it. We can choose not to identify with those thoughts and instead choose to identify with the present, with, you know, the joy of what we're doing and that inspiration, that spark that set us to this present moment Mm -hmm. of engaging in this thing. You know, that's what we can do. We can put our awareness onto that. We can put our identification with that. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's really interesting because I think we should talk about, we, c- we could talk about how we're programmed this way. Like why do we have such an addiction to need to go to the past and to the future? Um, and, and why do we trick ourselves in getting out of the moment so much? And I think what happens is that we have been raised into a society and a culture that is basically taught us that it's normal to, um, to need to achieve, to need to accomplish, to need to get stuff. And I think that achievement and ambition and accomplishment, I think all of that's good. Like, don't get me wrong. Those are great things. But I, and I I shared with this with you before, Evan, but I think that what happens is we think that the accomplishment is the goal. And, and, and when I say that, okay, so I just want to clarify this for the audience, because we've had time to talk about, we think in our society and culture, that the accomplishment, that getting the thing, that achieving the thing, that whatever that is, is the actual goal. That's what we have been taught to believe. That is why we're addicted to the future and why we're addicted to the past. But if we realize that achieving the goal is not about achieving the goal, it's about becoming the kind of person who could achieve that goal. If we realize that we would never cheat on a test ever again, because, um, you know, but the thing is, is we're so attached because then we go, well, I need to succeed at the test because I need to get a good grade on the test so that I can be accepted into this school to do this thing. So now our life becomes about being in the school. And what if I don't pass the test? What if I'm not good enough? Then I won't get into the school. Then my life's shit. But it's like right now, what's happening right now either you're doing the test or you're studying for the test. So you can be in the moment and go, what if I don't pass the test? Well, if you have that recognition, what will it take to pass the test? Like what will it take for you to be the kind of person that would pass the test? So do you need to study right now? Do you need to learn something? So go do that. That's what you need to do right now. If that's what you need to be. But I think what happens is we have these big goals, these big dreams, these big ideas. And we think that like, well, I want to win an Oscar, but we don't think necessarily about being the Oscar winning actor. 
what if you are nominated for an Oscar and you don't win the Oscar? Isn't that just as good? I mean, because you were someone that was even considered for that, right? What if you did an Oscar worthy performance, but you were never nominated? Isn't that just as good as being nominated or winning? But no, we don't believe that. We actually believe that getting the gold trophy at the end of the day is actually what makes us. It's what validates us and our existence and what we do. Right. And so then all the pollution comes from that because now we realize only one person can win it. And what if we don't? Well, here's the news. And you know this, the odds are you're not going to win it. Those are the odds. So you've just set yourself up for you know, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety about the future and a very small chance. So basically a lottery ticket of joy, a lottery ticket of whatever. And the thing is, is that, um, I think what, what we need to do is actually do this all in reverse is that we need to see ourselves more about who are we becoming as opposed to what are we achieving? And by becoming the person we will achieve probably most likely, but if we do or don't, it doesn't matter because we already became the person. Yeah. Right. And this is the, and I think, I think that's huge. And, and just to continue on like this, like Oscar, I just wanted to throw something into it as well is that, you know, again, like that's, it's still, even if you, if, if you won that, that award, if you received that validation, there's somebody who is going to step in and, and invalidate that because I mean, I know myself, I've disagreed with (laughs) <laughs> who's won on, sure. on multiple years. There's somebody you could win that Oscar and be like, yeah, I did it. Like I beat out like everybody and blah, 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 blah. And, it, and sure it will feel great. But it's like, what if somebody came up to you and just said like, like, yeah, yeah. I thought it should have gone to them. I thought they were better than you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like it's like, so what does it all, what does it all really mean? Yeah. What does it all really mean? Like nobody will ever completely, completely agree anyhow. No. So like, and, and, and ha- is, what is the consensus of all of this? Is this really all of the best performances of every single film that was made on the planet that yeah. year? Like it's, it's kind of, it's such a, a microcosm of, of stuff. And it's such a, it's such an insular, almost community. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, I don't want to take it away. I think it's, I think it's all great. It's wonderful, but it is, it's really, it's about being the thing as opposed to getting the thing to tell you that you are that thing. Well, and the other (laughs) thing too, is that it's an interesting topic when we talk about the Oscars or we can talk about any award show, it doesn't really matter. But what it is, is a celebration and an acknowledgement of exceptional art and science when it comes to film. And with, with other things, it's the, it's the best mu- music in that category. Teen Choice Awards, the best teen music that was made that year, whatever. It's a celebration of what people have come together to mutually agree upon that say, hey, this stuff's pretty great and let's celebrate it. And you know what? Um, out of this celebration, let's choose one to you know give a word. It's not about your ego and about you being better than everyone. It isn't really about that. It's about the fact that we, we all participated in creating this. Yeah. And, and some people are going to make films that are brilliant, but they don't have the budget or the names or whatever. Um, and, or that sometimes they don't have necessarily the means to make that kind of film. And the thing is, it's like, um, you know, it doesn't make you less than it doesn't make you, you know, and I think what we need to look at these things is like, 
if we get our ego out of this situation, if we, if we start to look at it as a celebration, as more of a community, as more of us, we participated in something, we're, we're not going to be so in the past or in the future, you know, like, um, in a way, like talking about like what happened in the past, like, uh, you know, I think about this sometimes I go, well, off only I made this choice, you know, these things yeah. would have worked out. But the thing is, is that because something didn't work out, I grew as a person. And I have to remember that if that thing worked out, I wouldn't have grown as the person I am today. So would I be willing to give up what I grew to have that thing? And, and I think in a lot of ways, like a, a lot of people might even say, yes, I would be willing to give up how I've grown, but like, I don't, I just, I just want to point out how fucked up that is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like you have this life and you're this person and you're willing to give up who you are and who you've become for some other validation or some other recognition. Like you really yeah. literally willing to sell off yourself and your own experience. Willing to put kind of a price on yourself Yeah. and what you do, whether that's monetary, whether that's awards, whether that's accolades and, and yeah, and it's, it's a really, it's, that's a road really riddled with a lot of, of pitfalls. Uh, like I know when I was in high school and, and when I was first like getting out there and auditioning and stuff, you know, like feeling like I was a pretty big hot shot, <laughs> hot shot actor coming out of high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny when I you know I think about my mentality now yeah. at that time. But you know, I'd had these fantasies, you know, cause like I'd been bullied like, you know, when I was in high school and, and you know, like I was, uh, I was a pretty late, late bloomer as far as puberty went. And I was so much shorter than most of my class, so much smaller. And, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I'm going to become famous. I'm going to be this big actor. I'm going to win. I'm going to win Oscars and I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to show everybody what a big deal I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know what point that, you know, I just like, just got smoked in the face with like a cylinder block of just like, Hey, (laughs) what are you doing? Like, what are you, because like, what is that even? Mm -hmm. What is like, I'm going to come and I'm going to show you, I'm going to show who, who am I going to show? Yeah. Like, what am I going to prove? Like, well, we nothing like nobody, nobody cares. You know, like these people who I was like, these people in my mind who like, or I can't even really necessarily put faces to them anymore. You know, like to who these people were that I was going to show <laughs> to, who I was going to show that I was a big deal. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what that, what that was supposed to be and what that's even supposed to accomplish anymore. Because at the end of the day, like, like I, I think I said in a few podcasts back, it's like people are not going to show up, you know, these, these sort of haunts from your past or these people from your past are not just going to all come emerge out from nowhere and say like, I'm so sorry. Like you were like, I was so bad to you and blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe someone will do something like that. Maybe, Mm -hmm. but most likely not. No. You know, like it's up to you to come to peace with yourself. But like, that was all like that whole thing, which is why I brought it up was because like, that's all a bunch of future crap. 
Well, it's and all you're a bunch motivating of, like, yourself from the past. And I'm motivating myself from the past. And it created a completely ego-centered based reason for why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I didn't, because I did, like it started out from a place of, of joy. I loved, I loved to act. And then suddenly I made acting this thing to weaponize, to weaponize. Yeah. Yeah. To like wield against my, my enemies. Yes. (laughs) And it's craziness. Like it's absolute craziness, you know, and, and it's been kind of an interesting journey to have gone and done that. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I haven't gotten to this place yet. I haven't gone to this place yet. And, and while I was getting great opportunities at different things, but suddenly that was still that now it was working against me. Yeah. Because I'd set this thing up, you know, I graduated from high school. I'm like, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to audition like crazy and I'm just going to start booking. I'm going to be like a rising star and, and I'm on my way. And, you know, it, it certainly can give you a sense of motivation. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, but then suddenly it becomes like this looming cloud over top of you because you're going into these auditions, maybe you're getting close. And, and the thing is, is also you have no control over whether someone says yes or no. And the reason why someone might say no to you has nothing to do with how good you are. Mm-hmm. It can be for such a trivial reason. And I've been told trivial reasons for why I didn't get a part. Yeah. That's actually happened. And so now every audition that I was going into was like, I have to make this happen. Mm -hmm. This, like, I have to get this part so that it will tell me that I'm doing, that I'm on the right path, that I'm doing the right thing. And, and it's so crazy because now I'm not even, I'm not even in the room anymore. No. When I'm auditioning, I'm completely in some, in some either beautiful or horrible future. (laughs) (laughs) Working from a shitty past. Working from a (laughs) shitty, (laughs) shitty past. And it's, and it is, it just pollutes it just pollutes the whole thing to a point where I'm like, I don't even know what I love about this anymore. Yes. And that sent me on a really extraordinary path of, of sort of rediscovering, you know, acting and art and creative process and what, what that really is for me now. You know, it's, uh, what, what my observation is you, uh, by not giving up, along the way, which many people do, they give up on their dreams. They give up on these things before they have this realization. Um, you had that awareness, you woke up and realized, um, whoa, like, do I even love what I'm doing anymore? And you actually asked that question. And that's the thing is that you started out as a kid who loved acting and really enjoyed it. And you, and you started to find out that you were pretty good at it. And then you started to see that there was a potential of a future and all this was pretty neat. And then all of a sudden the potential of the future became your reality as opposed to what your reality really was, which is that you enjoy acting and you're doing the things that are necessary to succeed as an actor. 
And then instead of doing what's necessary to succeed as an actor and doing what's necessary to enjoy the craft and be in the moment and connect and, and actually just act because that's what you were supposed to do. And I did the same thing. That's why I know this so well. (laughs) Yeah. Is that now you're not acting anymore. You're thinking about your future and if you'll make it or not. And if you're good enough to act and you know what, who gives a shit if you're good enough to act or if you're good looking enough to act or you're smart enough or whatever, because at the end of the day, you like acting. That's what you enjoy doing. And if you do something you enjoy doing a lot, you will probably get pretty good at it. And if you are connected to the moment, you'll really pay attention to the people who are talking to you and you'll see, is what this person is telling me makes sense to me? Does it connect with me? Has it helped me? You know, I remember uh, I had a coach come along and he said, you know, and I really wanted to be a fast player. I don't even know if I wanted to be a fast player yet, but I, I remember I recognized speed was a great quality to have. And I wanted to play forward and it was a really big thing for me. I just, I really enjoyed that position. But there was always, when I started, there was always kids who had soccer parents and better parents, like uh, better coached parents, you know, whatever. Parents who coached them better, I should say, right. on how to play that position. So I needed to have some type of skill that, that I could have that would make me actually someone that be a candidate for that position. Because out of all 11 players, usually there's only two people up front. One, sometimes just one. Yeah. Um, usually. And, uh, um, anyway, uh, a, a coach came along and he said, you know, if you stretch your hamstrings, you will, you will increase your speed. Actually, hamstrings are one of the biggest things about speed. And I, I, I thought about that and I went, well, really, that's what I got to do. So I started making sure I stretched my hamstrings all the time. And lo and behold, I became the fastest player on the field. I was so fast. And like, I remember what I would do is I became so fast that players started to, I could hear them on the field. They'd they'd start pointing me out. They'd be like, watch out for this guy. He's fast. And I actually started playing a game style where I would run really slow in the beginning of the game. And I would wait till someone, and my team knew this about me. They would play me a ball. And I knew that I could beat any defender. If, especially if he didn't know I was fast, cause he was going to get caught on his heels and I'd be gone. Yeah. My point is, the is old that, rope dope. right. My point <laughs> is, is that when it, when it was about simply doing something like to become a fast player, it, it was good. Then, you know, this is, this is where the pollution comes in is like, well, you know, uh, will I be fast enough? You know, am I, you know, whatever, all that other stuff, the, the moment in time when you're doing the thing you love, if you're, if you, you, you are where you're at. You know, sometimes you're the best actor in the room. Sometimes you're the worst actor in the room. Sometimes you're the best. I know this cause I've been the worst soccer player on the team and I've been the star soccer player on the team. And I've, I've, I've seen both sides of the spectrum and sometimes you just are where you are, but it doesn't make you any less than you just are where you are. I re- like, for example, and I'm, I'm going to kind of parallel this a little bit. Um, when I was, and I, I kid you not, when I was 14 years old, we lived in an 8,000, over 8,000 square foot house. I had three backyards. I had a soccer, basically indoor soccer field in my basement. Um, we had steak. We had salmon. We had the best food in the world. We had Porsches. We had, uh, we had a fleet of cars. We had a boat, a yacht. We had everything. Then at age 15, and I kid you not, I was living in a trailer park, which was probably just about 300 square feet, maybe with my dad and we were eating peanut butter sandwiches. This is within one year's time because we lost everything. And I experienced what that was like. I remember my dad was having such a tough, tough time 
because I mean, you lost the fortune, you know, my, both my parents were having a tough time, but I just remember my dad. And there was a point where he said, well, we got to deal with where we're at. And, and, you know, it took him a bit to get out of that. I, I know he was struggling with needing to be this successful guy. Yeah. But I think what, what I learned from that moment was that we had to deal with where we were at. We, you know, and, and there's a, it, it, you know, in a way, like you would think that I was less happy being in the trailer park than I was in the mansion, but I can actually tell you, I was almost more happy being in the, uh, being in the trailer park in a way, because it was the first time in my life where my dad and I were doing something and we were really working together because up until that day, he had always been kind of a workaholic. I actually never saw him all that much. Yeah. But during this time we were doing things together, you know, we, uh, you know, especially 15, 16, he was teaching me how to drive. We were talking about a lot of things about life. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, so the thing is, is we have this idea of where we need to be or what life needs to look like. And I, I can say from my own self, and it took me a long time to really, for this to settle in. But if I look back in my life and I look back at everything I've learned, it, your external circumstances don't matter the same way you think they matter. Like what really matters is that, are you in the moment doing what you love, you know? And, uh, I remember, uh, you know, I used to, I, I started to pick up hockey around that time. Cause, uh, you know, hockey started to become a big thing and I would go to the ice rink and I would skate. And I remembered while I was skating, I was just such, I was at such peace. And I, I'd always go to the rink. I would just, even when we didn't have a practice or anything, I would just go play stick and puck and I just go, or I'd go skating if they didn't have a stick and puck thing. I'd just go because when I was on the ice, I was at, in peace because there was some times where, you know, with my parents and we were, we were, you know, didn't have a lot of money and they were fighting and they were divorced and my brothers were gone and whatever. And, uh, but I, but I, the reason why I think I was so happy on the ice, cause when I was on the ice, I was really in the moment you know what I mean? But all the other worries about like, you know, um, will this work out? Will that happen? You know, will my parents get back together? You know, whatever. Yeah. That was not in reality of the moment, but like, I think I started to fall in love with hockey because when I was on the ice rink in that time, I was in the moment and I, and so I want to turn this back to the audience for a second when you're in the moment right now and you're just totally connected to this moment, listening to this podcast and you weren't thinking about anything other than this podcast, was there a problem? Probably not. But the moment you start thinking about, can I pay my bills? Can I do this? Will she like me? Will he like me? Will blah, 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 whatever. All of a sudden anxiety, all this crap comes up. Yeah. And this is just further proving our point, you know, and, and creativity is the same way when we're actually doing it, we're geniuses when we're in the moment, we're geniuses. But when we get into the, the past or the future, it pollutes us and we are no longer geniuses at our creativity. And so like, I, I turn it back on you because you were sharing about your, your acting when you were doing it because you loved it, there was a genius to it. And then when it became about, will I get this role or not? I, I am, I'm sure you'll verify it was probably not so joyful. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And then, and then everything, became about, you know, how to be better, you know, like, uh, taking this class and that class to, to find, find this, this sort of thing that was going to make me the actor that everybody wanted kind of thing. And, and took, 
lots of classes, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> learned a lot of techniques and it didn't really, didn't really bring me that much closer to it. You know, I had my success, my successes along the way. Um, but again, it's like they, you know, they're, they're fleeting, you know, you come, you get it and you're like, yeah, all right. You know, like I've done this and, and it's, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's fantastic, but eventually, you know, it goes away, <laughs> right. Eventually that runs off, you know, you book this thing, you book that thing and it's, it's fantastic for the moment, but it's there for the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and then when you don't continually get it, you know, it, it continues to throw you into this spiral thing. It's like, you know, what the hell do I do? And then interestingly enough, you know, a, a big thing that changed for me, I mean, Meisner technique was a huge part in that, but what did Meisner ultimately sort of teach me? It's really about presence. Yeah. <laughs> really about coming back to being, being here right now and being in the joy of now. Yeah. You know, and, and what that is putting aside all of this crap of what you have or haven't done. Like, and this was not just within the Meisner technique, but you know, it, it expands upon these greater principles in your life where it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter how prepared you feel when you walk in the door, you know, like, and what you've done before this, it doesn't matter. You know, trust what you've got right now. Be where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what happens after. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do this thing, you've got to be right here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Like uh, with Meisner, you repeat, and um, I see the value in that because you're saying you're saying something. You don't. You know, there's no, there's not a lot of room to be crafty to start thinking about, Oh, I'm going to say this thing. It'll be smart. It'll be whatever, because you're trying to honestly just connect in that moment. And you're, you're, you're saying something that's almost a little bit. And I don't know if this is the right word. You can correct me if I, if I'm not right, but you're, uh, but it's almost mindless in a way you're yep. kind of saying mindless stuff back to each other because, you know, the first time you say it, there might be kind of a profound hit to it. But then when you start repeating it, it almost becomes a little mindless um, because you know, it's, it's, there's no, there's, there's no overthinking it. Right. And I think that, um, when we're really truly in the moment, we're not, we're not thinking that we're not thinking about how to appear. We're not thinking about how to look. We're not thinking about how to do anything other than what we're literally trying to do, you know? And, um, you know, if you're, if you're, um, I think that there's a, you know, I think that there's a direction we're headed and, uh, you know, you, you have an idea of how you're going to do something, but you know, it's, it's so funny. Like just, just think about an argument where you're going to go in to talk to someone. You had all these ideas of what you're going to say, and then you sit down with them and you actually talk with them and it doesn't go at all like you planned. I mean, that's a perfect example of how out of reality we, we get, right. It's like, you know, when I'm the I just, a conversation just popped into my head that, yeah. like that. You just immediately brought something to mind. Continue. Yeah. It's funny. I, you know, I, I remember I sat down with somebody and, uh, we were having an argument, a, well, a talk or whatever about something. And we sat down, we started talking and they were like, and you did this and you did blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, and I, for whatever reason I was like, 
I was like, okay, yeah, I totally see that. And I was like, yeah. And, and you know, what was really difficult for me and part of the reason why I felt like I needed to do that was because you did this and they're, and then they were like, yeah, but you, and they just kept going back to it. And I was like, yeah, but do you understand? Cause you, the way that you responded to me this way made me think that you didn't like me anymore. So that's why I kind of went over here and I, I tried to, you know, whatever. And they were like, this conversation is not supposed to go this way. <laughs> it was like, what? I'm like, how's it supposed to go? They were like, you're supposed to do that. I'm just like, I'm like, and I just called them out. I'm like, have you like thought this out like ahead of time? And they were really like, no, it's like, and they really thought they were right. You know? And they really thought, and I just thought, you know, it's like, bless their heart. But they were so not in the moment because that was not happening right now. Like yeah. what was happening right now is that we were talking about something and the conversation took a turn they didn't expect. Yeah. And they, um, you know, probably in the, and I imagine, cause I've done that before where they didn't anticipate what they had, how they had participated. Yeah. And so then that came to light and then they were like, well, I don't want to look at that. I just want to yeah. look at what you did, you know? And so, you know, I think the thing is, is like when we're present, we see our participation in everything. We see how we are, are, um, a, a piece in this puzzle that is participating in all the stuff that's moving. And the moment that we get in the past or the future, we stop seeing how we're participating. We start becoming a victim to what everyone else is doing. Um, but when you're present, you see like, okay, this person moved there. And so then now that happened. So now this is what I'll do. And then Oh, they didn't do the same thing I expected. Okay. So now I'm going to adjust. I'm going to do this. And then we, it's this very organic thing. And there's no way to predict it because like we are not in everyone else's head and we don't know what they're going to do. And this is the beauty of art. Art is happening in this organic like way. And when we have an idea about how art's supposed to happen, we actually pollute art because art doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, when we close ourselves off and you say, no, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, the, the creative process is saying like, go this way, mm-hmm. like go this way. And, and you're trying to, and if you're trying to force this thing that you had in your mind, you know, to happen, you know, like you're, it's just, it's just going to become an exercise in frustration. You know, it's, it's just so much better, you know, and like in the martial arts, they tell you to use the forces, you know, like use, you know, your attackers forces against you, you know, like how to, how to flow with things and move with the forces that are at play. Uh, and, and creativity is, is the same way. I think it's like, you know, move with it, move with it. Don't fight against it, you know, because those, when you step into it, like understandably you have an idea, you know, you had that initial launch point because that's really all it is before, like all of the planning, all of the preparation that you do is, is really about just sort of fleshing out that spark as much as you can. Right. But now when you actually engage with it, you have to completely be open to what might be presented to you. And it might fly in the face of that thing that you, some things that you had in your mind at first. Yeah. But the thing is, is that to not to deny that, to deny those things that are being presented to you is to go against the truth of what's happening. Right. 
because now you're just like trying to force an idea that you had as opposed to what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, we have to, in, in everything we, if we ever want to have the big goals and big dreams and, and I think things that we want in life, we have to be honest. We have to figure out how to really take in the moment and be truthful about it. I mean, like if I, if I'm not okay with who I am and where I'm at in life, and I think that somehow where I'm at is a problem and it's not okay. Like I'm, I'm not saying that it's not, it doesn't need to be that it's ideal, but the moment that I make it into something wrong and, and I, in in the moment I try to be something other than where I'm actually at is the moment when I deceive myself out of actually having what I want. You know, it's like, uh, and I use this analogy before, but you know, if you are a baby and you're just crawling and you look at other kids and they're sprinting and you think, I need to sprint. Well, you haven't even learned how to walk yet, let alone jog, let alone run. Um, and then let's take that further. I, you see other kids riding a horse. You see other kids skateboarding. You know, you see these things that, that you don't even, you haven't even built that skill set yet. You know, and you see these actors when they start out and you see, you know, um, well, I'll just focus on acting, but you see these actors and they go, well, they want to be at the top, you know, with the Meryl Streep and Leo's and Leonardo DiCaprio and whatever, you, Daniel Day-Lewis, you name it. And the thing is, is like, okay, well, that's someone that's like, they've, they've not only learned how to, how to, how to crawl, how to walk, how to run, how to sprint, how to skateboard, how to horse ride, how to do all this stuff, but they can do it interchangeably with ease because they're so practiced at all of them. And then you're coming in brand new and you're going, well, I want to do all that. And you know, if you, it's like anything, if you wanted to learn how to run really well, start running. You know, if you want to learn how to be a good sprinter, start sprinting. If you want to learn how to ride a horse, start practicing riding a horse. And like our art is the same way. So if you go, well, you know what? I'm not a very good horse rider. Well, get on a horse and start riding. You know, don't, don't sit around worried about how you're not a good horse rider. That's not doing any good other than you're, unless you're being really truthful, you're like, Hey, I'm sitting around worrying about not being a horse rider. That's what actually is happening. But like, don't make that a problem. Cause that's what you're doing. If you want to become a better horse rider, go start riding horses. And I think like we, we do this as artists where we pollute the moment so much, we don't actually do the thing that actually helps us. If we're in the moment, we're being truthful, like, and you go, I don't know if I'm as good, good an actor as them. Well, are you, are you like, what is it about their acting? Like, like act, start acting, you know, like, I don't know if I'm a good painter, start painting. I mean, it's, you know, if you start doing it a lot, you're going to start to have some real world experience to see and like good as them, like, what was it that they were doing? Like, you know, I watch some skateboarders, like I can skateboard and longboard, but I look at some skateboarders and I go, well, like they can do things that I'm not able to do. Um, but you know, I can ride the board. I can ride down really steep hills and, and, uh, you know, I can swerve and I can do all sorts of things. I can ride up like on a ledge and, and and I can jump a curb. I can do all that stuff. Um, some of the tricks they can do, I'm not able to do, but it, you know, what, what I'm really saying is that I'm not as practiced as they are at that skill. And I think that we try to make art into this thing that is somehow not that, but like art, like when you're skateboarding, especially when you're going down a really steep hill, 
if you're not in the moment, like you're probably going to bail, you know, especially when you're doing a jump or something, but like everything's like that when you're in the moment, everything kind of slows down. There's kind of a perfection to it when you pollute it with what if I crash or what if this doesn't work out or whatever, it probably will happen because you've kind of polluted the idea, you know? Yeah. I I want to to add something into this as well, you know, into what you were saying. It's like, you know, all of these different things like, oh, wow, look, they can do this and they can do that. And I think there's also a degree to which it's like, is it necessary for you to do that? Because like, you know, maybe you're not a horse rider, but holy shit, you know, maybe you're a really great long jumper. Yeah. Right. Like it's totally, that's um, such a great way to turn this. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's like, we're, we all bring some interesting things to the table. I mean, my favorite guitarist of all time, Jimmy Page, he had this, he has this great quote that it came across that he, in terms of his sort of advice to other guitar players, because he had a pretty unconventional way that he learned guitar. Like he never really had like lessons. He kind of learned from a few other people just randomly picked up a guitar that was left in his house and learned from other people around him, but then started learning from records by just listening and being like, Oh, how did they, how did they do that? And this is pre digital era. Like you'd have to go on like, like an actual record and like back (laughs) spin it and back it up and learn how these tricks were done. Um, but for him, he said his advice for guitarists was the sooner that you can find your voice within the instrument, it's up to you to find what that, find that voice and then to nurture that as best you can. Hmm. Like it's, so it's not about trying to be all of these other people, you know, it's like you can learn from them. You can learn technically how they did what they did, but ultimately you have to figure out where you come in. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out your own voice and then really, really get in touch with that and really get that tuned in and and know what that is and be like, Oh wow. Like I can do this sort of thing because, because he also believed that, and, and this is completely true is that no guitarist is, is the same. No guitar player is like on the planet is the same. They will all play, they could play the exact same song and none of them will play it exactly the same way. Hmm. And it's, and it's completely true. I have ways of playing songs like, yeah, the chords are the same, you know, the timing is the same probably, (laughs) but there's just a certain something which is completely unique Mm -hmm. to the way everyone will do it. So getting in touch with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we, yeah, we don't, you know, you don't need to be like anyone else. I mean, you don't need to do it the same way. And we don't need another one. No. Of those because we've already, we've already had that. Yeah. You know, that person already existed. They've already given their voice. Right. So it's like, give your voice to it. Totally. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because, uh, so I was, I wanted to get into a little bit about this whole programming thing. Like, where does all this come from? Why, why don't we just be in the moment and, you know, practice that as like a way of doing life, you know, like where, where does all this, 
come from where we get tricked into or deceive ourselves into getting so into the future and so into the past. And I think it's because, you know, we, we don't, we're not recognizing the value that we are because, you know, if you look at the industrial revolution, for example, the industrial revolution created certain needs for education. And so then people are basically put able to do a certain job down assembly line. They need them to do it the same, but just because you can do a job the same in a certain way, like you can do the same job as someone else, doesn't mean that you're the same. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, you're that. And so like two actors can do a scene. I actually posted something and we should post it on this uh, podcast after, but Oh, I think fences from the play fences. Right. And, uh, two different actors doing the same or four different actors technically, but doing the same scene, a big scene from fences and they're drastically different. Um, and, uh, Denzel Washington and James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones. Yeah. Um, and so they're very different and they're both exceptional, but the thing is, is that, and it's the same play, but it's very different. And, you know, you could say one's better, you like one more or whatever, but what we can all probably agree on is that the, that what they've done is their own way. And I think what happens is we get so caught up in who's better that we, you know, we, we forget the idea that, you know, that was just how we connected to it, but it doesn't necessarily make it better. Like, like it's about truth. It's about truth. Yeah. You know, like it's Nathaniel, our old teacher, yeah. he would say that. And he's like, there's, there's no better actors. There's just more truthful actors. Exactly. And that truth can vary from person to person. Like I've, I've watched scenes from plays played by different people over the course of a number of years, you know, you, you start to see some of the same material yeah. like come around. Especially if you do acting classes. Yeah. If you're <laughs> in acting classes, you've seen like a bunch of Shanley stuff. You've seen a bunch of Tennessee Williams, you, <laughs> yeah. some Neil Simon. Um, you see a lot of stuff. If you're in LA, maybe some top gun scenes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can ride my tail Ice anytime. <laughs> Um, did I say that right? Did I say that good enough? (laughs) Did I say it just like Tom? Um, and that's, and that actually feeds into the point that that's not the point. No, that's not the point. Um, you know, but I've seen actors perform like different actors perform the same scene, you know, over, over the course of different years and, and had moments like seeing something years later and say, Oh, I haven't seen this scene in in ages and see a couple of different actors bring something so new to it that is no better or worse than the way I'd seen it before. It was just different. And if, especially if the actors are in their truth, they're being present, they're with each other and something's going on there. And you're just like, Whoa, like that's a true. Sometimes there were lines that, I know that I'd seen them as many times as I've seen this thing played before. I'd hear, I'd hear a line that I, I swear to God, I'd never heard before. Yeah. Cause someone else said it. And for whatever reason, the way that they connected to it and said it through their own voice and their own way of being landed with you in a way. And that's happened to me so many times. And, and you know, it's interesting because every actor, 
um, can take some of these most beautiful scenes. And I mean, for those act or people who have never been in an acting class or people who have never been in a, in an acting class where they've done really great plays, um, scene, you know, it's really interesting watching actors really truthfully try to take an attempt at, at these really great playwright scenes, because there's usually some magic that you, you almost wonder, did the playwright even know how much magic was in there? Like, I'm sure that they knew like some of these genius playwrights knew what they were doing, but did they know how much genius was in it? I don't know because, you know, um, even when we did our table read for that, the burning blues script and people read some lines and I was like, well, I never even, I never even, never even heard it that way in my head. And then people would say something about a line or a part of the scene that they really liked. And I was like, I didn't even realize, you know, it's, and it's, I think that's the thing about this art, um, especially film is why I kind of love it so much because it's so collaborative that people come together and they bring these things to it and everybody's going to do it differently, you know, but every, you know, and I think we get so caught up in like, which one's better that we forget that like, that doesn't matter as much as were they all very truthful, you know? Um, and someone's truth, we might respond to more as a medium. Like we might respond to it better and we might say, well, we like that one more, but it doesn't mean that someone else's truth was not as good. Mm -hmm. It, you know, cause I think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, you look at all these movies, for example, that end up being at the Oscars at the end of the day. And I, I think they do a pretty good job for the most part about selecting some great stuff. But, um, you know, it's hard to say, like, what is the best movie? Because a lot of the time, you know, there's, they're, they're, they're all really good, but it's just that we preferred one, you know, we liked that content or that topic more. And does it, or this is more socially, um, a big deal right now. So that's the one that won. But I think, um, the masters, the people at the top of this industry, at least they, you know, they tend to put to forth something that's really great. But if you took the other filmmaking team and got them to make that film, it would be different. Right. Yeah. Um, what, what it's truth, you know, and I think we get caught up. That's the deception because what's better is all based on our past experience. And when we're doing it, when we're trying to do the thing in the moment, will it be good enough? Is like, will it be better than this? That's in the future. Like all you can do right now is do your thing, do your acting, do your directing, do your writing, do whatever you're doing right now. And at the end of the day, when it's all put together, we'll see, you know, the editor will work with that. And then the editor will hopefully be editing and not trying to like make an Oscar you know, mm-hmm. and, and we'll all be trying to do our thing. Right. And yeah. I, I think for those more like, uh, solo crafts, like artists, artistry, you know, you, it's, it's a little bit different, but you're collaborating in many ways with yourself and you're trying to figure out like, you know, um, I don't know, like what's a better painting, ultra realism or, um, a painting that's more, um, experimental, but kind of does the same thing. You know, I've been looking at art a lot recently, like just um, pictures of art. And I've been looking at ultra realism where it almost looks like a photograph. It's so hard to tell because it's so good. And then I've looked at more expressive art. I don't know the term expressionist Uh, expressionist or impressionist. Yeah. 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 Right. So variations of that. And I can tell you that ultra realism, which arguably you could say is more accurate, better art didn't appeal to me as much as the other stuff that was more playful and more um, it, it almost like it didn't have as fine lines. It wasn't as much in reality in a way, mm-hmm. but it had a more of a, 
there is more of an experience to the painting. Whereas ultra realism was like, well, it's almost like just looking at a photograph. Yeah. You know, and, and in a way, because ultra realism, it's almost like there's more demand on the position of say a person in mm-hmm. the picture. But like when it's more expressive, the, the position of them didn't matter as much because just the way it was done yeah. was so unique. But it's all in about capturing a moment, right. right? And what was trying to be conveyed in that moment. You yeah. Know? yeah. Cause like, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, impressionism and expressionism as like, as far as, you know, I'm not the most, uh, well-versed, uh, in terms of, of art in, in that way. But, uh, in general, I found that like, that is something that I've, I gravitate towards. There, there's something about, about that sort of thing that just speaks to me. It's like, you know, a lot of those, um, like Monet or something who it's like paintings, like if you look at them super up close, they almost don't even make sense. Mm. But when you pull away, the whole image comes together mm. and there's just something so beautiful about capturing that moment. Cause I think that's like, you know, like photography, or, or with like painting, it really is about capturing some kind of a moment, yeah. right. And, and communicating that somehow of, of whatever, yeah, whatever is trying to be, they're, they're trying to communicate through that. That doesn't mean that that doesn't happen through ultra realism. Of course, it's just, again, it's a, it's a subjective thing. Well, apparently like from what I understand, Picasso was able to do ultra realism so well. Yeah. He was a really amazing technical painter, but he's not known for any of those paintings, you know? So, um, the thing is, it's not what made him famous at least. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you know, this thing about that, I think about that as like an actor or director or writer. What if, um, if I only based my writing based, based on ultra realism, meaning that I can write something that seems exactly like reality to a T, right? But if you look at say Tarantino, many people enjoy his films. That is far from ultra realism. That's like ultra violent, totally not in reality as to what really occurs. Like, yeah. and, um, and the characters are pretty over some of yeah, the characters exactly. pretty over the top. Yeah. Right. So if we, I think if art, sometimes we have these ideas of what we need to do and that's out of reality in the moment right now, you're going to express yourself the way you're going to express yourself. I think Tarantino is a good example because he trusted his, his creative voice as to what he wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, and then he ran with that and he started to develop self. Same with, uh, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson and, and people like that, right? Where they, they, for whatever reason, that's the way they communicate their story. And then we look at it and we go, it's so genius, but not to say that you have to have some unique way of doing it, but I think those are good examples of people who trusted their voice and, there is no reference point, um, whether it's good or not. And we might not have liked it as a culture, as a society, we decided we did. It didn't, it wouldn't make it any less good. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if you enjoy it as an audience member and no one else did, it doesn't make it any less good. And I think this is, you know, this kind of, we're starting to branch onto that part of our topic where we talk about where artistry meets industry. And I think if we subjugate our truth to industry too much, we subjugate our artistry to industry too much. We really lose our way. And I think we do that when we get to the past and the future, because we look at past films or past art or past music. And we look at like, where's it going in the future and how do I make a hit and whatever. And, or we even look at like, what's there, like what's available. 
right now you have a, you have a song in your heart. You want to communicate. You have a vision in your mind. You want to make into a film. You have a emotion that comes up. Well, this line, you're saying this line to the other person and this other person was responding in a totally unique way that is happening right now. But everything else, all your ideas, those are just polluting that. You got to get rid of them. You got to extract them from this. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is you tell something, you know, so wholly truthful for yourself from that spark. I mean, you look at something like, um, you know, uh, I believe it's Matthew Weiner, who's the, who's the writer creator of Mad Men. You know, that show got shopped around a lot of different places and he, no one was, was picking that up. And, and AMC was almost uh, a joke at that point. They were a, like, yeah, they were a, no, they were a nobody who pick and, and who would necessarily think that a show like that premise would be anything, you know, it doesn't sound particularly sexy or titillating or anything, but that's a, I mean, and this is my opinion, but that's a brilliant show. Yeah. You know, there's an incredible truth that's going on within that whole thing, that whole vision that he had for this, for this world, you know, in this era and this time and putting that up there, just extraordinary. I'm still well, not even done with done watching the show <laughs> yet, but I've, I've been getting back, back into it. I'm like, okay, I need to finish this series because I'm close to it. And I'm just, I'm like picking it up. And I'm like, oh my God, this show is so good. Well, yeah, totally. And you know, some people don't like the show and they don't get it at all, but does it make it, you know, not worth yeah. making? No. Does it like, you know, and that's the thing is I think as artists, uh, we, you know, if you're basing your ideas on what you think other people want or like or whatever, that's based on the past or the future. Like in the moment, you'll never know what someone likes or dislikes until you actually do it. And you'll see the response. And the thing is, is when you're an actor, you don't get to see the, res- the response of the audience until after the fact in the, in you, when you're reading the script and deciding whether this script connects with you or not, you're doing that job. When you're in the scene with the other actor acting in that scene, you're, you're seeing how that actor is responding. You know, if you're anywhere other than in those moments, you're polluting that. Right. And I think that, um, you know, I watched, I've watched a lot of like Daniel Day Lewis, um, behind the scenes for there will be blood. And just, I tried to get my hands on everything. And I watched that film like seven times, you know, and, uh, just, watching like what, what he's doing. And just, this is all my observation, but it always seems like he's experimenting. If you watch any of the, if you can get your hands on any of the behind the scenes footage of stuff, it just, it seems like he's just really in the moment. And like, there was a moment where he wasn't, they weren't even really rolling the scene and he was just running the lines at one point. And you could just see him being absolutely 100% responsive to exactly what was going on. There was no there is just like, and you know, when someone's doing that, cause there's kind of a truth to it, you know, it's not like a, Oh, absolutely. It's a commitment to the truth. It's just a commitment to the truth, yeah. whatever it is, whatever it is in that moment, you know, it's like, you know, he does quite an extensive preparation, like yeah. some might say extreme <laughs> for all of his roles. But I, I think that he, he knows, and from articles that I've read, you know, interviews about him, you know, he is very much aware that it's like, it ultimately is still going to come down to my interaction in a moment yeah. with the person and, and really discovering that. And that's the exciting thing for me. Like, if you're an actor out there, that was where I started to 
you know, reclaim my joy in acting was just like, Oh man, I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Like, let's see what happens. I don't know what's going to, what's going to go down. These lines are going to come out in some way. Yeah. And that's all I, <laughs> that's all I know. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, it's so, it's so exciting. And, and I remember having, and, and just having moments where, you know, the, these lines come out of you, you know, these next lines come out of you and suddenly you just discovered something within that, in that very moment. Like even when it's up, like there's an audience, people are watching you. Yeah. And in that moment you like discovered it for the first time yourself. Yeah. Like you're just like, Oh wow. Like there's suddenly you found all of this meaning and all this truth that was in that line that you didn't know before. And I think that's what a lot of that is, you know, it's like, he's playing around. He's just like, what is like, let's see if we can, let's see what we can find in here. Let's see how much truth we can touch on Mm -hmm. within what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, uh, this is, man, there's, there's so many things to keep going into. Why don't we mention the beer before? Yeah. Yeah. Before we, uh, get to dive down the the next rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) 33 this, acres? Yeah, this is from 33 Acres. It's been a while since we've done one from them, and I thought I'd check them out again and see Love if they had guys. something new. <laughs> Love them. Uh, and this one is called 33 Acres of Egress. Oh, okay. 33, or Egress, Egress. We had a little bit of a chat about that, and he's like, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is a seasonal Belgian grisette. Interesting. Uh, and it is, um, 4.2% alcohol. So it's, uh, I asked them about it and they said it's similar to a Saison. Um, so it's got lots of sort of fruit, less on the citrus in terms of fruit. So on here it's saying like apricot, um, blackberry tea. And one of the interesting things that he said about it which I've definitely been picking up on is he says, uh, it's got like a peppercorn finish yeah, to it. It's got like this mild, just sort of like dry spice kind of hit. You know, it's interesting. Like I noticed all of that and, uh, the apricot or whatever is, is, is really, really nice. I mean, um, it's a good beer. I yeah. mean, and I, you know, it was interesting because when I took my first sip, um, I had no idea. I was like, where is this from? I, like, I had never <laughs> had it before. Um, but good find. Yeah, I'm no, glad you this, dropped by there. this was like, they have a couple of new ones over there, but this was the only new one that they had that was available for, uh, for a growler fill. Right. Um, so I got it and I had a little taste of it and I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. They're like, yeah, like for the summer. Yeah. Just perfect because it's, uh, yeah really easy to drink, refreshing and, uh, and quite a dry finish on it as well. Like, yeah, you really know, it's, um, crisp. It, 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 I don't really think of Saison when I, when I drink this one, but, um, but I could see, you know, um, yeah, you know what I like about that? I like about that brewery is they have a few consistent beers that I like and they keep them on, you know, and yeah. then they always change up two or three, um, you know, at the bottom of the list or whatever, yeah. usually. And, uh, and it's always like, it's, it's good because I, I like their beer so much that 
I, I'm glad they they have those consistent ones. If you like those beers, then I think 33 Acres has been one of my top ones just because I really like all their beers. And then they throw in a few so you can kind of change them up. But you have your consistency where you like, when I go there, I know I'm going to get some some of the ones I already like. But I also know I get a chance to try some new ones too. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their euphoria is still going strong over there. <laughs> I never have so that, to worry in the future if they'll have what beer I like. <laughs> yeah. So thanks again, 33 yeah. acres for, uh, <laughs> continually, uh, making some just wicked beers. Yeah, totally. Um, so just to, uh, go back into this, cause I know you wanted to get a bit into, where does this all come from? Like yeah, all where does this, this sort of from? like, uh, why are, do we have this addiction to this? And, and a lot of it is like, yeah, because we're very much, uh, external result driven, you know, or at least we're taught to think that that's, that's the way that we will get all of the sort of happiness that we want in our lives. Yeah. Um, I, there was a, something that, and I want to bring this up early, early on too, and, but perfect timing. Um, I think there's also, uh, it's a control thing as well. Right. I think that's a huge, that's a huge part of it. I mean, I think they kind of go hand in hand, like the result and the control, you know, it's like we want to control things so we can achieve this result. But the amount of control that you truly have is pretty suspect. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's so interesting that you brought that up. I mean, that's, uh, for me at least, because I've been thinking a lot about control and, um, I can say that a lot of my life I've been a bit of a control freak and, uh, and actually what's, what's limited me has been my, in certain areas where I'm micromanaging and, um, and just trying to make sure everything goes the way I plan. And, um, you know, I, I think, the, the lesson that I've learned ultimately is that you don't control anything that anybody else does. No matter how much you think you do, you don't control them. They at any time can make a different decision than you want them to make or anticipate, or even if you force them into a corner, you know, I've been put into a corner where, you know, I've had, uh, <laughs> you know, I talk really highly of my dad a lot and, and he's a, he's awesome you know, but one time in my life, he remember he threatened to disown me and I was really upset with them. And I, you know, (laughs) really, (laughs) yeah, really. And, uh, and so, you know what? I, I remember we were, we were talking and, uh, I woke up the next morning cause I was going to go do something. I was going to go down the States and I was, you know, and and he didn't want me to. And he was like, well, if you go do that, I'm going to disown you or whatever. So, but whether he was serious about it or not, I could never really know for sure. But, but at the time it sounded very serious to me. And I remember going, uh, I remember waking up in the morning and I decided to myself, I said, you know what, if I do what he wants me to do for the rest of my life, he will always control me. And I thought that's like anybody, they will always control me. And so I said, you know what, fuck it. If he disowns me, he disowns me because you know what? I am doing this and he can either respect that or not respect that. I was a young man. I was only a teenager at this point, but I was like, this is what I'm going to do. 
And I went and I did my thing. And I remember I was down there in the States and my friends were like, they knew what had happened. And they said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you get home? And I said, you know what? I don't know, but I'll deal with it when I get home. But right now I'm here. This is where I wanted to be. And I didn't realize how profound of a, of a decision that was and how profound of a comment that was until really later in life. But when I came back, uh, he apologized and he was sorry about that and whatever, but that it was so, so good for me because I realized that in that moment that I cannot be bought or sold. There is no thing that anyone can ever, you know, control me with. I make my decisions and I was willing to deal with the consequences, whatever they might've been. And so take that further. Every single person has that power. So no matter how much I hold over their head or anyone holds over your head, you know, not that I would hold anything over your head, but no matter how much anybody tries to force you physically or whatever, at the end of the day, you have the decision. So we only have the illusion of control around other people. And that's, that is a major part of it. And then the other thing is that we don't control the past because the past is done and you're not going to change that. And then the future hasn't happened yet. You don't know what's going to happen. So you don't control that. You only have right now and you only have you. So you cut out the past, you cut out the future and you cut out other people. Just think about it. How much control do you really have? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, entire, entire empires have fallen under the illusion of control. Yes. You know, because uh, all it takes is, is like one person. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Truly one person in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And an entire, and entire empires have gone down. And, and I mean, we've, and we've told so many tales throughout the ages, even current, like modern day, like you, you watch these, these dramas and stuff of, of, you know, powerful people trying to control, to control everything and how difficult that becomes and how more precarious it becomes and how impossible it becomes after a while. And eventually it all comes crumbling down because control is kind of an illusion. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you know, there's a, I think there's a certain, um, I think the reason why we have that illusion is because there's a certain predictability to things in a certain way, because we see patterns in our life. We see things tend to play out a certain way. And so we always expect that the pattern will play out a certain way. And, um, then when the pattern goes the other way, which it can at any time, we are like, what, what happened? How did it go a different way? And I think like when I think about it as an actor, right? Like you were doing a scene and every time you've done the scene, it's kind of gone this way. Right. But then one day you do it or one take, you do it and it goes another way. And if you are, if you believe that the pattern you've seen before, even if you've seen it a hundred times before is always going to be the same, you have disconnected from the moment because, you know, even if the pattern goes the same way, I think we need to be in the moment to experience the pattern as it's happening and not be so in our head that, Oh, it's just going to go this way. You know, when you're talking to someone and you can tell they're not listening because it's like, they already think they know what you're going to say. I, I play this game cause I understand patternization. I understand this whole concept. So every once in a while I'll throw in something funny. And actually my friend would do this every now and he'd be like, yeah, fucking a dog. And then the person would be like, oh yeah, cool. And then you would you'd catch them and you'd be like, you weren't listening. And they'd be like, oh, you know, and it'd be like, <laughs> you know, like you'd say something totally screwed up. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is they couldn't 
be listening, if they heard it, if they, they, if they were truthfully being honest in that moment, they would have responded to it. And then every once in a while, someone will be truthfully in the moment and you'll miss it. And they, and they were, but they're like, and then you'll laugh about it. But the thing is, is like, I think that's a really funny experiment because then you can catch people because sometimes I think we're listening to people. I've done it. I'm guilty of it as much as the next person. Yeah. You're listening to someone and you think, you know, what they're already going to say, you know, and the thing is, is we never know what they're going to say. We never really know. But I think what happens is people do tend to say similar things a lot of time. And so, yeah. we, you know, like, have you ever done this? This has happened to me before where someone goes, um, people go, um, Hey, how you doing? Right. You, you see something, they go, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. Oh, good, good. I'm doing great. But someone, instead of saying, Hey, how you doing? They actually go, um, Hey, what's new? And you go, yeah, good, good. <laughs> but you catch yourself cause you assumed that what they were going to say yeah. was what you had heard them say before or what other people had said before. And you respond inaccurately because yeah. you're not present. This is, this is the kind of thing we're talking about, you know? Yeah. So how, how past and future In- cloud, cloud and pollute the present. Yes. This is getting back right to the, the, the headline, <laughs> <laughs> the headline of the episode. Um, and yeah, it's absolutely like completely, 100% like we've all probably experienced something like that. And, and it's so, it, it's such a bizarre thing that we do, you know, like this weird sort of, uh, uh, fear that there's something more important happening, but it's like, well, what's more important than what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all that we know really is what's happening right now, what's happening right in front of us and what's happening around us. And you know, like we're so, you know, you're, you're predicting like, it's like, oh yeah, this is what they're going to say. I'm really, I'm somewhere else. I'm thinking about something that I've got to, that I've got to do later and blah, blah, blah. We're it's trying like, to control something that's not happening or something that's already happened. Yeah. And, and then we don't pay attention to what's happening. Yes. Yes. Right. It's, it is controlled though. You're right. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to control shit that is not even in the realm of reality right now. I mean, like, like, I mean, I, it's crazy because I mean, I can only say that like, it isn't only really recently where this has really sunk in for me. Like I've spent a lot of my life trying to control things that are not in reality. And I just, I look at it now and I go, man, that was silly. Like what a waste of time and energy and effort. Like if I was just present, like the capacity of what I could have done potentially. So now I look at it and go, you know what? my life right now, I want to be as present as I possibly can because all my power and all my control and every iota of what I have right now is happening right now. It is not happening in the past. and It is not happening in the future. And if I catch myself in those areas, I want to quickly get out of them and I'll use them maybe to inform right now, but that's it. That's all because all my power and all my control and all everything that I am is right now. And, um, and I think that that's what we need to recognize as artists, that when we try to control things that are out of our control, we're, we are out of control. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's devastating yeah. to what we try to build in well, the world. Well, absolutely. Because I think, I think deep down subconsciously, we know that a lot of these things are, are not within our control, but we try and control it anyhow. Mm-hmm. And that, that can do nothing but, but create a lot of sort of inner conflict within ourselves, you know, it's like you're, you're 
you're literally, you're grasping at air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to grab something that isn't even there. I mean, and then we wonder why we can't accomplish certain things in our life. Well, of course you can't accomplish it because you're trying to, you're trying to do something that is not there. Like it's like trying to grab onto a hologram. It's not there. Like it might seem real to you, but it isn't actually real, you know? And I, I think that like, like, uh, right now, if you're standing, you're not sitting. If you're sitting, you're not standing. You can change that. Right. But you have to work from where you're at. Like, you know, you know, it's like, uh, when, when you're on guard, for example, like if you were a soldier, if you're not alert, when something happens, you have to deal with it from where you are. You don't get to be alert just because you want it to be. You have to actually be alert. You know, um, you know, that men's group that we're both part of there, it's like, are you ready? You know, are you ready when the thing happens or are you not ready? Because if you're not ready, then you deal with the situation from not being ready and then you've got to get ready and then you can do it. Yeah. But if you're ready, you know, and like, I think about this in, 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 in acting and sports and whatever, if you're present, you're ready. If you're not present, you're really not ready for life. You're, you're, you're somewhere else. You're asleep. You're, you're not awake because you're in the past or you're in the future. But if you're in the moment, you're ready for anything. You don't have to worry about life. You don't have to be scared anymore because whatever happens right now, you'll be ready for it. But if you're not present, you're not going to be ready. And, and I think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful lesson for us as humankind to recognize that like everything we want is about right now. And we might can trick ourselves into believing that it's some other place in time than now, but it is, it's right now. Like if I want to run a race, it's the step I take right now. And then the next moment will be the next step I take. It's not the finish line. As much as I want to see myself crossing the finish line, what I'm doing right now is I'm making the step or the run or the whatever the, the moment right now is happening. And then when I get to the finish line, I'll be at the finish line. And then when I'm done, the finish line, the race will be over. But those are not, those haven't happened until they happen. Right. And I think what happens is we, we really trick ourselves, you know, and you and I were talking about the secret, right. And the disillusion about what the secret does, because it, you know, it's this belief that we'll be happy when we get somewhere, but, or something or something. But if we recognized that we were truthfully joyful and full and complete right now in this moment, we might not want the same things that we want. You know, it's, 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 and that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's a whole new platforms <laughs> and maybe uh, another podcast, maybe another podcast. And, yeah. and, you know, maybe with that, because, uh, I feel this, uh, this beer working its way through, uh, oh, yeah. through the old system here. And are you uh, saying you got to use the washroom? I, I do. I, I, <laughs> or the bathroom for yeah. those Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And not too short well, of time. Canadians, here. they said washroom. washroom. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do Australians say? That's what I'm curious about. Bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I've just like offended so many people. Uh, <laughs> um, if they're well, the people with a sense of humor yeah. probably laughed. Oh yeah, it's all in good fun. Yeah. Um, so well for me, I mean this has been this has been really great. I feel like we've stayed really on topic like this whole yeah this whole conversation. Everything we ventured was into really different quite, angles of it, but, but it all, we're still kind of trying to. It was all quite pertaining and relevant to to the subject and. And yeah, as the 
as our title suggests, like don't let, you know, the, the past and the future pollute your creative process right now. Mm-hmm. And, and also beyond in, in your life, like presence is presence is where you can actually do something. Presence is, is where is a place where you can actually achieve a goal. Yeah. You can actually set goals for the present, <laughs> which is like, you know, like for, for, you know, right now, uh, right now I'm, I'm, my goal is to be really peaceful. My yeah. goal is to be really, really joyful. I can actually do that right now in the present. I can achieve that. Right. And, and it doesn't require some, something later and something for, and I just want to reiterate again, you know, like this concept, cause the more I think about it, the more I, I understand stand it as being a pretty true concept is, you know, like your past, like whatever you're bringing up from your past is guilt and whatever you're bringing up from your future is fear or anxiety or anxiety. I think anxiety, it kind of fits within right. that, that fear realm as well. You know, it's like your anxiety just is a product of fear, fear of some horrible thing or not getting something. And can I say something while you're on that topic? Please. If you want to get rid of your guilt or your fear, become present and you will notice that it goes away. I've, I've been testing this more and more and I I find it's always there. And if I go, well, no, I feel, uh, fearful, but I'm in the moment. You're not in the moment. Just check in. Cause like right now, is there anything right now to be scared of? And I think that sometimes there is in the moment, like you're facing the grizzly bear and, uh, or the tiger or wherever the hell you are in the world, the hippo, (laughs) (laughs) which are dangerous, but you're in that moment and that's a moment to be scared. That's a moment where your fear is actually helping you in the moment, but probably right now there's no reason to be fear. So if you feel fear, remember you brought that up from your imagination from either the future or probably the future yeah, or maybe the past. If you feel some guilt or some less, lesser thing about yourself, you probably pulled that out from the past. And then if you want to get rid of that feeling, just get present. It's a beautiful, it's so simple, but it's so beautiful, right? Yeah. And, and, and one thing I, I'm going to share this, this is yeah. something that you had said, uh, in a, in an off mic, uh, conversation, which is such a, a beautiful way, a simple, practical way of reconnecting with the present moment is just going, how is this moment perfect? Ah, uh, yes. How is this, how is what's happening perfect right now? And it's such a beautiful thing to just kind of like drop you in and open up your awareness and be like, Oh, okay. Um, well, Oh, you know, like I'm just sitting here. I'm, I'm drinking beer and I'm having a really fantastic conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. I have, there's nothing outside of that, right? There is absolutely nothing outside of that. So it's, uh, that's just a really beautiful way. And I think that that's so applicable in, in everything. It can really help to sort of reset you. Yes. Like it's a, it's a hitting the reset button on the, on the old video game console. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, uh, and I'm glad you did cause I wouldn't have thought to bring it up, but, um, I've been asking myself that, uh, I try to do it right now. I'm trying to do it seven times a day, just seven check-ins a day. Um, because I want to build the habit where I live, um, my whole life as though it's all perfect. Because, um, if things are perfect, 
right now, I have found that my potential and capacity in the moment is so far beyond what I ever thought. But when things are not perfect and things are flawed and a problem in the moment, I seem like it feels like I have less capacity in the world, right? Um, and it, it also, when you recognize what's perfect, or when I do, I should say, I realize I'm like, wow, like life is so amazing, right? And like, what can I do with this perfect moment? And I mean, I'm not saying that I don't necessarily want to change the moment into and and to head somewhere, because I mean, it's like uh, you know, it's like being on a hike or whatever. You're on this hike and you're looking at this view, and it's amazing view, but. I might not want to stay at that view all night. I might not want to sleep there. I might actually want to go home. And actually at a certain point that view won't be perfect and being at home will be perfect. And I can foresee that in the future. So like right now I'm doing exactly what I intend to do right now. And that's why it's perfect. Um, you know, and, and, and I'd say the final notes that I, if I was going to leave anybody with, if you were done. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I think I've, yeah. Um, was that, these are, these are concepts that I will say personally that I have not mastered. Um, being in the moment is something that I'm currently working on as a process. It's, and it came from me. And the reason I'm so passionate about it right now in my life is because I've spent most of my life believing that my purpose was somewhere I needed to get to. With some person I needed to be or achieve and I needed to get the person that I love in my life. I needed to get... Uh, a success. I need to make this amount of money, drive this car, live in this place, whatever. And then I would be happy. And that was my confusion. It was all based out of the moment. It was all out of reality and whatever. And I realized at a certain point in my life, when certain things didn't work out the way I had hoped that that didn't motivate me anymore. I just really literally had no purpose in my life. I, well, I felt like I had no purpose. I probably did, but I felt like I had no purpose. And so I was like, what's the point? Like, what's the point of doing any of this? If none of that matters, if none of this materialism, if none of this success really even matters, if, and I knew it wasn't going to bring me real happiness. I realized that my purpose in life is to be in the moment right now. And then the next moment it will be in to be in the moment, the next moment and the next. And if I can string those together and it actually, um, came from a conversation I watched, I think it was Bill Murray say, where he said, I think the trick is, is that for us to sustain being in the moment for as long as we can. And I don't know what the, what it was. Maybe we can see if we can find it, but it really landed with me because I was like, yeah. And I I felt like excitement, like jump out of bed, you know, um, go do the things you love because everything right now is, is happening. And, um, I don't have to wait until I get somewhere before I get to experience it. So I think that in, if I wanted to leave anyone with is just try and sustain being present for as long as you can. You're going to fall out of it. If you're not practiced, I can tell you from personal experience, but just have a check in every, a few times every day, you know, and just check in and go, why is this moment perfect? And then that's how you build it. Cause I think right now we're addicted to the hit of getting something to work out in the future. And, and we, we have very few moments of joy because we wait till things work out and then we experience joy. And for the rest of the time we don't but you could experience sustained joy if you're just in the moment. And of course there's going to be down moments. There's going to be tough times, but, um, I think, you know, it's, it's like either 
do it the old way that we've all been doing it and get like 5% joy and 95% pain of trying to get to joy or do it 95% joy and then 5% of pain because every once in a while life's going to throw a monkey wrench into things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just yeah. how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely. So we can experience the joy because if we never had the pain, I don't know if we know what joy was, right? Because mm-hmm. joy and pain are, are friends. They're not enemies. They need each other. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the pain going through the pains, um, yeah, it, it brings us, it brings us closer to joy. Yeah. Yeah. Helps us let go, go of some things. Yeah. It puts things in context. Yeah, definitely. Well, okay. So I think this is a podcast that opened up a Pandora's box to a lot more things. Hopefully people can take some practical skills The the last thing, I mean, let's leave them with, uh, why is this moment perfect? And, uh, and maybe try to, you know, look at how anything other than this moment is kind of a pollution of the moment. Yeah. If you haven't already, ask yourself that question right now, wherever you are. Yeah. All right. Bringing you perfect moments since 2015. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks. Thanks.